mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. Welcome to Panther Puri, the podcast where we're supposed to talk Panthers hockey, but sometimes we don't. Here are your hosts, Alex Lopez, Jake Langsam, and TJ Peterson. Welcome again to another episode of Panther Puri, every Leafs fan's least favorite Panthers podcast. <laughs> I'm here with my usual co-host, Jake Langsam, Alex Lopez, and joining us from Local 10 is Ian Margol. News anchor and Panthers fan supreme. Ian, how are you? And what were you thinking when you saw that just like crazy horde of Leafs fans invading our mentions? The apocalypse that was your mentions. I'm doing well. (laughs) Uh, Long time listener, first time caller, boys. Glad to be on with you guys. Uh, If this was a Levitar show, we would have had to hang up on you. There you go. Uh, that tweet was so innocuous. I even replied to it that, and more than Huberto, who only has one, which I thought was also funny. And even that triggered a fan who thought we were trying to, who thought I was trying to talk (laughs) crap. Jay, all you did was say, here's a fact, it's kind of funny, was basically what I took from it. And it was just... Total That's meltdown. What it was supposed to be. It well, was if just you like, have hey, two brain cells, interesting coincidence. <laughs> if you have meltdown. two brain cells to rub together, it's just like, oh, hat tricks are, are random and funny. And here's this fourth line grinder who's got three of them in a season's worth of games. Meanwhile, one of the best goal scorers of our generation, Austin Matthews, has two. Yes, clearly we think Noel bleeping Achari is better than Austin Matthews. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to get into my opinion on Nola Chari because we, we'll talk about the hat trick, I'm sure, in a more serious light. But I, I do want to say it is like you guys interpreted it. It's really just a fun fact that, you know, just kind of looks ridiculous when you think about it, that probably the best goal scorer, you know, younger than Ovechkin in the league has fewer hat tricks than a guy who has been a pretty lackluster fourth line center this year. I think what makes this the most hilarious is that like some of the first mentions were, Oh, look how obsessed you are with Lee, the Leafs and Leafs fans. Meanwhile, you didn't, we didn't tag Austin Matthews. We didn't tag the Leafs. This <laughs> yeah. was literally found by Leafs fans searching Austin Matthews on Twitter and finding the tweet. Yeah. They are so obsessed with themselves that they found a tweet that did not tag them at all and went nuts. And great I just for think our impressions, it's impressions though. Yeah. Great right. for our impressions. I mean, we got like, what, like three new followers because that's how Twitter works these days. You make a great tweet and no one actually follows your content. But again, it's exactly like you said, Alex, this was never meant to be 
like poking fun at the Maple Leafs in any way. I found the same amount of humor that you did in the fact that they started, you know, swarming me when I was never interpreted or never intending to interact with them at all about how obsessed I was with them and their team. And it's like, yeah, I kind of like the Leafs. I kind of like Austin Matthews. You know, I, there's definitely a future that's plausible where he becomes the best ever American hockey player. So I have to appreciate him for that. Absolutely. Again, this tweet had, had nothing to do with that, but TJ, I I loved your, your follow up uh, about the Olympics too with like, Oh no, I think Austin Matthews is a phenomenal goal scorer. It's going to be a lot of fun watching him light up the Canadians in the 2022 Olympics. (laughs) Just like way to double down on pissing off the Toronto fans you, while you, also simultaneously complimenting their player you, you accidentally tap. baited you accidentally baited them and then immediately just started bleeping on them i don't know if we're allowed to curse oh you can shit on alex you can there you go well alex i i thought i'd heard cursing before but alex bleeped himself before you just started shitting all over them immediately after they baited they literally did this to themselves yes, TJ, you exactly. did nothing and they <laughs> did this to themselves <laughs> you did nothing and they got very angry. Yes, TJ, I mean, what you need to do is when we post this podcast, you need to tag every single person, every Leafs fan that came into your mentions oh, and just say, hey, this is for you. I'm not nearly as, as obsessed as, with me as they seem to be. I mean, I'm going to do it for you then. What, one person was even talking shit about the Twitter account that I saw, which was just probably the most amusing thing of all. And, and for anybody that I kind of like slap back, Again, it, it has nothing to do with how much I like the Leafs or the, even the fan base or Austin Matthews. Definitely not. Because like I said, I'm a big fan of any American hockey player that's that talented. But, you know, you come into my mentions, you're looking for a fight and you're already like tripping over yourself because of how mad you are about something that's just so innocuous. Like I have the high ground and I'm going to use it to swat you down. All right, Obi-Wan. Let's move on. I uh, also just noticed your Zamboni driver joke from earlier today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so everybody should follow me on Twitter. I mean, I, you you are following me if you're listening to this. There's no way that that, that is the case. But my, my tweets are good. Everybody can agree. They are. Yeah. Well, well, the tweets are awesome, but let's move on. There was a, you know, we are an hour after a disappointing 4-2 loss to the Carolina Hurricanes. And I think I speak for everyone at point to point slash Panther Parade and Ian, where we're all absolutely melting down that the Panthers lost 4-2 to one of the best teams in the NHL who was completely rested, hadn't played since Thursday. Meanwhile, the Panthers were on their third game in fourth night, four nights, and had to travel yesterday. So we're all melting down, right? The end is here. Like oh, the totally. Panthers can't compete with the Carolina Hurricanes. Like that's it, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, this this is terrible. This pan this Panthers team is going nowhere because on the second leg of a back to back, uh traveling from Nashville to Raleigh, that they they just got kind of stomped by one of the best teams in the league, uh, after absolutely stomping a team that they should have stomped. So yeah, no, there's there's no recovering from this, Alex. We're 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 we should tank and go for uh whoever the hell the first uh first pick is this year, because apparently that's up in the air right now too. But that's a that's a that's a podcast for the summer. Ian, you melting down? It's as if it's as if uh, our goalie had a phenomenal game and and it was offense was clicking and no, it was this was this was totally a game that 
I mean, you don't want to lose any game, but this is a game that if you're going to lose it, you're not surprised. I would say that uh, meltdown is probably not the word now. <laughs> uh, I, I actually want to go to a biblical term to explain what went wrong for the Panthers in this game. Let's do it. The Panthers Where are you going doomed, with this? The Panthers were doomed by the sins of the father. Vincent Trocek scores the first goal of the game. We're all reminded of the awful trade that sent him to Carolina. Lucky James Reimer picks up the win. He, you know, he wasn't outstanding. He didn't stonewall the Panthers, but he's now three and zero against the Panthers since he got traded to Carolina. And you know that trade that Darling came the other way. Panthers bought him out. You know, you could have told, you could have figured out immediately that that was an L. But you know, it's it's paid. It hasn't paid dividends at all for the Panthers. It's only gotten worse since the day it was the move was made. So it's like you guys said totally that the schedule sort of made them lose this game more than them actually playing poorly or anything. I mean, they played uh, poorly. It was bad. But okay. Yeah, like they played poorly because of the circumstances. I would say, but you know, if you were to look at anything, uh, you know, look at that that. Carolina got two pretty pivotal performances in this game from former Panthers that should still be on the team if they weren't for terrible transactions that sent them to Carolina. Fuck you again, Dale Town. Yeah. But yeah. Is that our most common phrase ever in this podcast? It's definitely mine on this podcast. Mm -hmm. It's definitely mine. Um, How does it feel that Vincent Trocek is four for four and uh, goals in four? At this point, they should just start the game down one nothing. Credit the goal to Vincent Trocek and just be done with it because yeah. he's he's going to score against the Panthers, and it's not going to be because he did something amazing. Like it's just going to be like, all right, hey, here's a power play. Here's the puck right in front of the net. The goal is going to be you know six inches out of position and give the entire low glove you know open, which apparently is the strongest aspect of Chris Drieger's game according to some stupid stats. But that's uh, for an, for another time. Um, but yeah, like, I mean, Trigger was terrible on the first goal, which is completely out of position. And then on the second goal gives up an absolutely soft, absolute softy, but somehow that's Keith Yandel's fault because he, because Trigger gave up a short side goal from a bad angle to Nino Niederreiter, but we're blaming Keith Yandel. Ian, I think you were saying before we started recording that like when you get in that position, you're just kind of like, uh, oh shit, what the hell do I do here? Yeah. And, and. If you're if you've ever played goalie, obviously Alex, you can relate to this. There is always a moment, and you and all of us remember them vividly, where no matter how confident you are with your stick, and to be very clear, I was not confident with my stick. I was not <laughs> confident with I was not. Uh, however, on the rare occasion that I did venture behind the net to try and stop a puck, there are going to be times, especially in South Florida, where the ice can get a little choppy, where you go down. And that puck goes right past you and you were just, you're shit out of luck. And you, and I vividly remember being at Pines Ice Arena playing Definitely in high school, Pines. Pines Ice Arena playing in high school, that falling on my ass, turning to my right and seeing a defenseman just sort of sprawled out on his knees, trying to do something to be helpful and watching a goal from behind the net. Um, yeah, it's, he was uh, credit to who we, we was Denisenko there, right? That was trying to play some 
goalie for him, I guess. Can't but fully tell the the other people on the ice. Uh, were I think it Barkov, was Ek, or Barkov, Ekblad, Uyghur, and Huberto. Um, I think it was Denisenko. There will be like a video Denisenko. that comes out yeah. that'll 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 show for sure. Anyway, he was. I, I don't know if I've ever found myself at the faceoff dot down on a knee, but anyway. Uh, I'll give I'll give you two stories of me playing the puck because I'm like Roberto Luongo. I would not do it unless absolutely necessary. Uh, I'll give you one that had a disastrous result and one with a, an epic result. The uh, first one I'm playing <laughs> uh, I'm playing we're playing Spanish River. We're my team is terrible because I'm on St. Thomas's JV team because I was a, uh, a college so- uh, high school sophomore at the time, and we're playing Spanish River, who was it was their varsity team, but and. We're up one nothing, and I'm playing out of my mind good to, like, to be up one nothing. Dump around the corner, and, I, and I'm feeling myself. So I'm like, I go out and play it. I see someone charging me, and I fire it, ring it around the boards, up off the glass. It's like, it should go all the way around. And instead, it hits the divider and falls right into the crease for a tapping goal. And I'm just like, are you fucking kidding me here? I'm killing it on, pan- on, on Bank Atlantic Center ice. And that's how I turn the game and we end up losing 2-1. And I'm just like, oh my God, I hate my life. And then the second one, this was an all-star game in high school, my senior year now. And I had came in in the third period and just was getting lit up because it's an all-star game and I'm coming in cold after sitting for like two hours watching everyone else play. I'm getting lit up. There's a loose puck, like maybe a foot inside the blue line. And it's a foot race between me and another guy who's starting out at like inside his zone. So I'm like, fuck it. I'm going for it. I do the full skate out just like Dominic Hasek, like sprawl sideways, kick the puck out, but I don't get it out of the zone. It settles like 10 feet to my left. And just like Ian was saying, like you get the oh shit moment. And I see, oh shit, someone else has entered the zone and picked up the puck. And I like, like full on, like get up and just start skating back and do a 1990s style pad slide like full on like across the ice swing the glove up and catch the puck as it's about nice. to go in the net <laughs> I'd given up like five goals in like five minutes to go apart but I made that save literally the whole everyone just went nuts like both teams were just <laughs> like holy shit best save ever and I was like yeah didn't know what the fuck I was doing should have never been out that far like basically I was I was further out than Chris Drieger was today and made that save and then I was just like, yeah, I'm good at this. <laughs> All right, for, for those of you who don't know, that's, uh, that is national champion NCAA goaltender Alex Lopez talking. Not, not, not NCAA. It's yeah, NCRHA. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's yeah. not over, well, overstate my qualifications. It was in yes, college. It, it was in college, <laughs> and it still counts. And it's, 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 still still, last... it's still more national championships than I have for anything in my life. So. And the University of Miami <laughs> hasn't won a national championship in anything else since. So I still get to call myself the last national champion at the school. So That's a fun one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so right. anyway all that we're talking say, about goaltending did not do any of that today well at least no. not the cool parts today yeah so we're talking <laughs> about goaltending so uh i figure let's have this discussion i feel that at the beginning of the season and none of this will have any impact on what quenville actually does so i want to get that out of the way this is more just like you know fans having a conversation at the bar you know that that kind of dis- discourse debate uh, at the beginning of the season, it was clear that Chris Drieger was playing significantly better than Bob. And, you know, Bob had a pretty good game on Saturday, uh, only gave up a couple of goals and 
pretty much neither one he could have really done too much about. Um, and then Chris Drieger comes in tonight and he has a rough, rough night. And he didn't really have a great night in his last start either against Carolina. And, you know, Bob did give up the four goals against Nashville on Thursday. But right now it does seem like he's the one playing better. So I'll open the floor to the three of you. Uh, do you think that Bob has earned the number one role, whether or not that actually means significantly more starts? I don't know. Uh, for the rest of the season based on this recent stretch, or at least for the near future. Ian, why don't you start us off with this one? So, uh, yes, I think for the near future he has. I think this is still simply because of how many games they're not, we're not getting spread out at all. They're so tight together. How many games they're playing every single week, I still think it's going to be a 1A, 1B situation. But there's no question that Bob has finally hopefully fingers crossed turned or started to turn the corner again um much earlier in the season than last season uh but I still think that Drieger's gonna get plenty of playing time I still think that I mean look let's be very clear Drieger didn't have the best game last game tonight let's I mean tonight was a bad game tonight is was Drieger's first truly bad game this season he didn't play great his last outing against Carolina, but this was the first truly not good game Chris Trieger has played so far. I don't think he has done anything to fall super far behind Bob, but Bob has certainly turned it around and given himself and given the coaching staff at least some confidence to say, like, yeah, he is the true number one guy. What do you think, Jacob? You know – Coaches view goaltending very short-sightedly. And I don't, generally speaking, short-sighted is a bad thing. Um, With the way Chris Drieger has played in uh, in his past couple of starts versus the way Bobrovsky has played in the last couple of starts, I think we're going to start seeing some more Bob first, Drieger second games, uh, at least until Sergei Bobrovsky starts uh, not having some great showings. Uh, Quenville is a big fan of riding the hot hand to a certain extent in a condensed schedule like this, you have to have one, a one B no matter what. Uh, but for a while, for the last couple of weeks, it was seeming like Chris Drieger had that one, a slot on lock. I, I think, uh, I think Joel Quenville is going to start going back to Bobrovsky until, uh, Drieger has another start like he did at the beginning of the season. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how much you really should be looking at recent results versus the totality of a year when it comes to evaluating a, what goaltender is going to perform better in the future. As every you know analytics person who has tried would tell you, it's voodoo. It is just impossible to predict the ebbs and flows. And if you look at the course of the season, Drieger's stats are still significantly better than Bobrovsky's, but you know, this is a position where you let in one really awful goal or two or three, like Bob did at the beginning of the year, which maybe isn't indicative of how you're going to continue to play because it's, it's more of an outlier per se. Uh, That can really skew your stats. And now he's not letting in those goals. So I don't know if the fact that he let them in in the past is, is predictive. If he's going to continue to be the guy who's going to let in for example, the shorthanded goal that he let in against Columbus, which was just an awful goal to give up. Um, 
And there was another awful goal he gave up to Philip Zadina, I remember. Um, but There's yeah, been a few. There's been Drieger, a few. Drieger gave up two bad ones today. Neither one, I would say, was going to show up on any kind of blooper reel. You know, you, you can, a, a charitable person could forgive him for either one, but I'm not trying to be charitable. I'm evaluating as <laughs> I can be. You and, not being charitable? <laughs> um, I, I think one thing to add on that, and it's not just how a starting goaltender might let in a bad goal here and there. What you want your starting goaltender to make in addition to making the saves he's supposed to make, make the one or two saves a game that they're not supposed to make that keeps you in the game. That gives yeah. you so in in last game for Bob, Bob made that that save sliding to his right, and it immediately led to a uh, break down the break down the other way, and the Panthers scored. And it was one of those moments where it was probably the first time this season where I've gone, you know what? That was the big save Bob was not supposed to make. And so that was what Bob was not doing and Chris Drieger was doing. It's giving, yes, you're supposed to make those saves and not let in some of the ugly ones, but you also need to give your team a chance every once in a while. The, I mean, look, look at when the Panthers were playing, when they had that stretch when they played Vasilevsky and Bernier and they were hitting these hot goaltenders and they were making saves. The Panthers were peppering these guys and they were making saves that they should not have made. And it was giving their team a chance I think that's what Bob was not doing in the beginning. Hopefully he's going to be doing that more. Chris Drieger did not do that tonight, but throughout the season so far has been doing that. Absolutely. I, I kind of agree with everyone, but Jacob said it exactly what I was going to say is that uh, you have to ride both goalies in a condensed schedule. I mean, the Panthers are playing basically every other night the entire way. If you try to ride one goalie, you're going to have a breakdown. Like you look at the teams that have tried to do that, Calgary, um, Washington, the, you see those teams and they're, the starting goalies are breaking down. They're either getting hurt or they're just throwing up stinker after stinker. And those teams are having to readjust. You have to go with a 1A, 1B situation. And Q, if you're Q, you need to ride the hot hand. And Jacob's right. Up until today, it's, you know, recently it's been clear that Drieger is the, the 1A in Q's mind. Because if you see how, like, Last night you played a weaker team. Tonight you played one of the best teams in the NHL. You usually start your worst goalie against the weaker team, especially when you're the Panthers who already have plenty of points. And you should, like, if you're you're always playing to win both games rather than, oh, hey, let's play for a split. So you should start your worst goalie against the Predators and you start your better goalie tonight in the second night of a back-to-back because it gives you the best chance to win both games. And Q went with Drieger. And Drieger did not, you know, did not reward Q's confidence with a good performance. I think the door is absolutely open for Bob to retake that number one position. And the reality is his contract and his pedigree, you know, that's the default. Like the default should always be when all things are equal, you go with the guy who's got two Vesnas and you're paying $10 million a year. And, and right now it's so close that, you kind of have to ride Bob as your number one, especially considering Drieger's giving you two subpar performances in a row. Yeah. That was the next thing that I was actually going to bring up is I I would love it for Bobrovsky to be able to come back to that level of play, the level of play that earned him the contract that the Panthers signed him to. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, because it would be great if he could play at least a little bit more up to that than he did last year. Yeah, I don't think that we're ever going to see Vesna Bob ever again. So you'll see. You know, it I kind of you won't see it for a season. I I kind of alluded to it. I I think it was on the last podcast, maybe the one before. But I'm going to try not to say ten million dollar when evaluating his performance from here on out. It's just kind of been driven into the ground. It's not yeah. really about that anymore. And but it buys you know, him cachet. So it's, it wasn't using it as a negative, but like <laughs> the fact that his contract yeah. buys him cachet, where it's like. Hey, this is the guy we gave ten million dollars to. We need him to be the number one. Yeah, I mean it's relevant in the in the context that you were bringing it up. As fans, I think that we throw it at him in you know a context where it's not completely relevant because yeah, like I've I've alluded to the what I was going to say there. Well, like I said earlier, you swap the jerseys tonight Mm -hmm. and you get the exact same performance, and the fan base is in meltdown mode over the goaltending. Instead, all we're doing is blaming Yandel and blaming the power play and Mm -hmm. saying that the the Hurricanes are better than us. All you do is swap the goalies, and the conversation from this idiotic fan base is completely different. I do think that Carolina was the better team if you take the goalies out of the net, though. Oh, absolutely. They were the better team tonight, but they were rested. They're an excellent team who came in rested playing at home. Like, they should win this game. 85 plus percent of the time and they should win in regulation like it's a schedule loss like there's no reason to melt down yeah yeah yeah, i agree uh before we close out this conversation i do want to mention i was looking at this earlier on money puck and i just brought it back up Uh, i'm not gonna read the stats out but if anybody wants to go look at them themselves uh, you can see that the biggest advantage in terms of low danger, medium danger, and high danger save percentage that Chris Drieger has enjoyed above Bobrovsky is high danger, actually, which I was very surprised to see because I, I think of Chris Drieger as a very technical goalie. He's always in position. He doesn't have the greatest athleticism. He's not John Gibson, yeah. but his technique is very, very, very strong based on what we've seen over the course of this year. So I was, qu- I was quite surprised to see that. Well, good technique is how you make a high percentage of your high danger chances. It's what makes Spencer Knight so special, not to go completely off topic, but Spencer Knight never looks like he's in trouble. He's never swimming in the net. And meanwhile, he's making highlight reel, highlight after save, highlight reel save after highlight reel save look easy because he's so technically proficient. We all think of highlight da- um, high danger chances needing you know, Hashik style athleticism to make the saves. But in 2021 and, you know, the era of reverse VH, strong technique is how you make those high danger saves. And Chris Drieger with his strong technique has been able to make those, you know, high danger saves look routine. And Bob has struggled. I mean, most of the season, yeah, he's given up softies, but it's also like that game against Tampa that they lost. It was Vasilevsky making all the high danger saves and Bob giving up four goals on four high danger chances and that's the difference in the game. Yeah, yeah. by the way, another advanced stat uh, reference. If anybody wants to go look up the against expected goalie numbers for the entire league, you will have you will find that Vasilevsky has basically already won the Vezina. He's been it's unbelievable. It's insane. He, he went into today's game with a 942 save percentage. 942. <laughs> yeah. Their goal differential was plus 33 a couple of days. Plus 33 a couple nights ago. plus 35 now. Meanwhile, Good Kucherov, Lord, it is Kucherov is not playing. It's cra- right without Kucherov. Real, it is yeah. unreal. He is a cyborg. Yeah. Andre Vasilevsky, not counting games that were played today, 
has a goal save above expected of 16.72. That leads the league. Number two is Mark Andre Fleury with 11.8. Having a and then- five goal above expected goal saved above expected lead over second place. Do you have any idea? And this is more to the, to the listeners than you three, how different, like how much one goal saved above expected truly is like it's one goal saved above expected is so much more than it sounds. So to be five up on second place is insane. And also look at where third place is. That's like, Six third or place seven. Is Thatcher Demko at six point one. Yeah, so he's <laughs> he's almost ten above third place. That's unbelievable. And yeah. from there, it kind of starts like closing in. Fourth place, Peter Mrazek. Wow, with five point oh two. Okay, yeah, actually, Mrazek being games. at five point oh two in fourth place is insane, considering that he's only played four games. Was, yeah, yeah, yeah but that's just hey, I had a couple monster nights, and then yeah, yeah, yeah. that can expected. happen. Like I said, with goaltending. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, I do want to move on, and yeah, Jake saying that Q likes to ride the hot hand uh, made me want to talk about something that I already had wanted to talk about and just bring it up now. Um, Mason Marchment has made his emergence into the Panthers lineup, and it does seem like that happened a while ago, but we haven't recorded since, so we need to talk about him as Oops. if it's a brand new thing. And, um, you know, he gets his first goal in Nashville. He gets two assists in the two games against Carolina. And overall, I mean – you know, we've talked a lot about the guys on the third line and in the bottom six overall, you know, a lot of them have had pretty bad seasons. You know, Brett Connolly is on the waiver wire because he can't get it together, admittedly playing most of his minutes with Achari and Lomberg or, or um, Lamico and Lomberg, but, you know, still not looking good enough. You know, Owen Tippett has been given lots of chances and just hasn't fulfilled the promise of a first round pick. Meanwhile, and then you slot in this and Martin Natchez are very, very good. But yeah, and then you slot in this guy that uh, you know down. used to play <laughs> for the used to play for the Orlando Solar Bears in the ECHL maybe like three years ago. I don't know exactly how long ago it was, but he he was in the ECHL, which you don't typically see guys yeah. go from that level to the NHL. But he's worked his way there, and you know he has two goals. He has a number of points and way more points than the guys that have, were playing those minutes, like I mentioned. So props to him for coming through and, you know, really making an impact at the NHL level. And just as a reminder, um, the Panthers acquired Mason Marchman in a trade with Toronto for Dennis Mulgan, not even playing in North America right now. So take that for what it's worth. Um, yeah, let me jump in on this. I mean, Mason Marchman, he's been a nice story. He's given you solid bottom of six minutes. But what this essentially is, is it's a hot streak. I mean, I don't want to, I'm not going to buy too hard into the Mason Marchman story. I'm with you, but continue. But the overall point I'm trying to make is the beauty of this COVID year. And because we have these taxi squads, like (laughs) that's a phrase you're not going to hear very often, but but that, but you're, but what the silver lining, the silver lining. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Let's, let's go with silver. But like the silver lining is because you have this taxi squad and you can filter guys in and out of the lineup on a whim that it's like, hey, when, when you're, you're bottom six, like they're all right around replacement level players. So it's like, if a guy has a bad game, you throw him on the taxi squad, bring a new guy up. And that's how Mason Marchman got into the lineup. It was like, all right, Tippett wasn't getting it done. Connolly wasn't getting it done. Henestrosa hasn't been getting it done. All right, Marchman, here's your shot. And Marchman's had a good four or five games. And Marchman, because, you know, he is, you know, 
an AHL plus level player, he's going to start to slump again because he's not a point per game player. It's not going to happen. And Marchman's going to slump and he's going to go right back to the taxi squad. And, and Q is going to keep rotating the guys until he finds the next guy who's ready to go on a hot streak. And I really love that Q is doing this, that his bottom six is not like his top six. Like he's not messing with those guys because they're five on five beasts right now, Mm -hmm. but the bottom six, like he still hasn't gotten anything really out of them. So he's just, you know, rotating guys until he finds someone who's hot. And when that guy cools off, the next person comes in. I just went through an entire conversation with myself in the blink of an eye. Uh, I don't know I if you all noticed that my hand I motions. did watch that happen. You went, uh, mm, and then you sort of like gave the, uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, we, we the saw that, that gif of, uh, Holy gif. Little, uh, yeah, gif, gif. whatever. Gif. Uh, I believe it's Alonzo Mourning on the heat bench as their oh, the, playoff series. He's, the mo- they, well, it, it wasn't was a playoff ball. series. It was the, it was the first game of the season after the, uh, the they won the title in 06. oh six. I thought that was that series against the Bulls where they got no. Them. It was the first game of the season against the Bulls where they got blown out by like forty points because everyone was just still on a championship hangover. Mm-hmm. And and that you got to read the oral history of that GIF and <laughs> and Alonzo Mourning talking about it. like someone did an article like a long form article the oral history of the Alonzo Mourning like upset and then not nodding of of like okay this is my life right now. And yeah, <laughs> he still got that ring though. He still got that ring True. pretty much. But the, the, the conversation that I did just have with myself was they're not messing with the top six, except that they did because Frank Vetrano went from the third line to the top line. Well, that's because except out. that was because Anthony Duclair got injured. Right. And that, that's basically what, what just happened in my head. The gears uh, working in Jacob's head. It's always fun. <laughs> you know, Jacob is like off in space. Cause like, He's not looking at his camera anymore. He's like clearly looking at his second screen, and you know he's like. Oh, I only have one monitor. Oh, I have, well, my, you, my camera's just off center, so well, okay. second I can be looking at the like phone, you know, something like right. that. But like he's clearly look, doing a deep dive on some advanced stats, and like oh, he, yeah, all of a sudden he's gonna like shoot up this way. He's yeah. gonna snap back to the camera, and you know to just kind of back off and let Jacob get his, <laughs> his pointing because he's got something to share screen with us. So some behind the scenes of uh, of recording Panther Puri is it's very easy to tell when I'm when when I'm shooting off to, to look something <laughs> up. Uh, yeah, the I way my monitor did... set up, I can't have my camera dead center. I have to have it off to the side. It's kind of annoying, but whatever. I actually did have this right uh, written down to talk about Jacob's monitor. No, I I mean um, <laughs> that the top line. It's it's a monoprice twenty seven inch curved monitor, fourteen forty p capability, beautiful beautiful screen. <laughs> Cha-ching. I was wondering how long you were going to go with that. <laughs> I probably yeah. could have gone longer. Ian. I, yeah, like, there's only look. so much that the uh, so long that that stays funny though. Yeah. I, I don't know how well it's going to translate to the listeners, but we'll find out. <laughs> um, I did want to bring up that top line, the new look top line with Frank Vitrano on it with him getting a couple of big goals, you know, that goal against Carolina and then the other night against Nashville and Duclair, only having two goals on the season. I'm curious what everybody's thoughts are about whether or not this should be the top line going forward or if Duclair should slot back in. I think that once Duclair is healthy, you give Duclair his spot back. Vetrano has been, I'm not going to say very good. He's been good. Yeah. Um, He's, he's been able to hang with that top line uh, and he scored some pretty important goals in that position. But man, once Duclair comes back, you gotta give him his spot back that Verhage Barkov Duclair line was is just unstoppable when they're going um 
and and it's it's great to have that guy like Vetrano who can who can pot those important goals on your third line or if if you have to you throw him on the second line if something's not working but that that Verhage Barkov Duclair line is just too good when all three of them are healthy. I've actually been impressed with the chemistry that 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 Barkov Verhage uh, and Vetrano have shown with Vetrano stepping in. I've I've been impressed, and I think that mm-hmm. is a credit to Vetrano. I think that's a credit to the fact that his feet are always moving. Yeah, and that he's willing, and he is a willing shooter. Right. That is, if if mm-hmm. there is a if there is if say two words to describe Frank Petrano, right? Um, I don't okay, think he he's really fast. <laughs> I wouldn't use really fast. He's Italian fast. Anthony, Anthony Duclair is also pretty fast. No, Duclair is faster, but Vitrano is um, also one of the faster skaters on yes. the team. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Um, I think there's no question that Duclair goes back. Um, Duclair, yeah, only two goals, but the chemistry that he and even, I mean, look, Barkov, Barkov's going to make anyone look good. But what Duclair and Verhage have been able to do together um, has been really awesome. I mean, how many times when Verhage was on that hot streak early on in the season, was it really Duclair made an unbelievable play, got to the net, and it didn't go in, and Verhage just buried it? How many times did that happen? There are Um, so many of Verhage's early goals were just cleanups from Barkov and Duclair. (laughs) <laughs> were just crazy plays by those two. And then Brahegi was just sort of in the right place, which is kind of what Vetrano has been doing. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. He's made no mistake when he's taken the shots. They've been beautiful. I'm not mm-hmm. taking anything away from him there, but it's, it's finishing. Um, I don't think you take that from Duclair. He's too much of a playmaker and you need that on your top line. Yeah. Well, yeah. The, perf- the perfect example of what Ian is saying is yesterday where, you know, and he, you touched on it earlier where uh, Bobrovsky made the big save and then the puck got sent all the way down. Yes. And Alexander Barkov absolutely takes the soul away from Michael Granlin <laughs> with the stick lift and drop pass to Vetrano and sends Granlin sprawling into Rene so he can't even make an attempt at the save on the Vetrano shot. And Vetrano, instead of celebrating like he did something, just looks at in awe at Alexander Barkov <laughs> like, did that? Like, did you just What did you do just that? do? Like Un- it was holy shit, unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Like, and I mean, th- I mean, this is you know sour grapes, but like, if that had happened, if if that had, if that had been done by Austin Matthews or basically anyone <laughs> playing in the North Division, <laughs> we we would never see the end of that highlight. And mm-hmm. instead, it was like, all right, a couple people said it, like NHL retweeted it, and then you know, like forty people, you know, clicked on it, and then it was like, all right, keep moving. But it was like yeah. that was like one of the plays of the year, and Vitrano was just like. Are the subtle wizardry of Alexander Barkov. I mean, it's like Mark Stone, but playing center and maybe even better offensively. He's just an amazing player. And I, I think you guys Lucky are completely right to point out that uh, Vetrano has essentially been he's, – he's essentially been finishing others' plays. I think that uh, Ian is completely right to call him a willing shooter. He is a shot mm-hmm. attempt on skates. He never saw a shot he doesn't like. <laughs> and but there's nothing wrong with that. There isn't anything wrong he's with that. He's a trigger that. man. Yeah, I mean, I don't think he's a particularly good shooter. Like, I think there are guys on this team where they're more likely to finish than he is, but he's better at getting in a spot and having the shot attempt to begin with, and that's certainly not nothing. But I I do think it's like you guys said. He's not the one creating these goals. Somebody else is creating them. Like Verhage and Barkov created that goal that he scored against Carolina. He just picked up the rebounds. And like you said, against Nashville. 
And that's not to say that he doesn't have an impact. You know, if he can play with those guys, that's meaningful because some guys can't. But at the same time, he's not really the one that's creating anything to the extent that Duclair was. And while I'm saying that, I still want to kind of eat crow for my opinions on him. Because if you had asked me when he only had one goal on the season, who was more likely to go on a hot streak and start potting a few goals here and there on the third line, I would definitely say Brett Connolly is more likely than Frank Petrano. And I was completely, I would have been completely wrong because Frank Petrano has been putting away the opportunities that he's getting. And that's important. You know, you have to score like very, very basic hockey analysis, but. (laughs) I mean, is Frank Petrano, you know, Mike Hoffman in terms of his shooting ability? Absolutely not. Is Mike Hoffman even really Mike Hoffman in terms of his shooting ability, though? He's got a look. He turned a lot of low danger chances into goals yeah. with that slap shot. So we have to <clears> give on the him power play from the right circle. <clears throat> okay, it's still that's it still works something. It's yeah, still not the easiest place to score from. <laughs> like Ovi's expected goals are always extremely low, yet he ends up at thirty plus every year because when you have the world's greatest slap shot, like it just happens. He likes the left circle. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's right. That's why. Yeah, uh, Ovi Office. If only oh. Mike Hoffman played on the other side, he would be he would be as good as Alex Ovechkin. No, he wouldn't. But <laughs> but my, you know, there, there's something to be said for you know being willing to shoot and not you know he's not one of those people who's so willing to shoot that he's shooting into shins all the time. Like he's getting shots on net and he's creating opportunities. And guess what? All that's accounted for in expected mm-hmm. goals for you morons who don't like expected goals for. <laughs> Well, I, I just want to throw out there that according to uh, to Hockey Viz, Frank Vitrano, just to your point, TJ, has more or less been an average shooter. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he's not like a particularly bad finisher, but he's not the guy that you're going to throw the puck to with with 10 seconds left in a one-goal game. If, yeah, if just... not, he's slightly above average throughout his career, actually. But the fact that, that he can hit those shots and – I, like you said, he is a shot attempt on skates. That man just loves throwing the puck at the net. And that's, that's what works. Mm-hmm. Sure. That's there's the there's first value step in that. towards scoring a goal is throwing the puck towards the net. Yeah. And so for, for me, there's been, I would say six forwards that as, as you guys have mentioned several times throughout the episode, Q likes to ride the hot hand. He's unafraid of taking guys out of the lineup that maybe have the money that, or, you know, the pedigree that wouldn't... Which is so refreshing. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, I think there's really six guys that are impervious on the forward group, and that's the top two lines minus Alex Wenberg. Uh, I don't really want to get into a debate on whether or not he's been effective, but I just sort I don't see it. I don't necessarily think he's irreplaceable. And Frank... He's a, Petrano, he's a very good third-line center. Yeah, I would say that that's exactly his level. So he's playing above that, but I mean you have Jonathan Huberto to help you out. So it's going to work out. Everything will be fine. Jonathan Huberto is right there. And Patrick Hornquist is frankly having quite the season too. Yeah. I so mean, if, if Wenberg can just be the, the third guy on that line, then he's going to look better than he actually is. I, I would say that Hornquist is replaceable if not for what he brings on the power play. I think that at five on five, he's no better or worse to be fair than pretty much anybody else in the bottom six. But what he does on the power play is pretty special. So it's definitely worth giving him a spot in the lineup. Well, let's kind of move into it. And I know it's not on our list of things to talk about, but I want sure. to kind of touch on it. 
because we're talking about where we can improve on this roster. Because let's face it, at this point, this is a playoff team. Yeah, it is going to take a collapse of epic proportions for this team to miss the playoffs. They have a ninety-six percent chance, according to Money Puck, right now. I mean, a, a ten-game losing streak, you know, changes that ninety-six percent chance to a, like a five percent chance. But you know, I, I, I hate using. Yeah, but we're not the, the Flyers. I, I know, but I hate using those percent chances to make the playoffs this early because you know it just so much can change. But the reality is, it will take an epic collapse to miss the playoffs. They're like nine points up on the team that's just outside of the playoffs, which I think is Nashville. And they have Columbus Columbus, and they have games in hand. Nashville. Nashville's in double digit regulation losses. Nashville's a tire fire. They have 16, I believe they're up. Excuse me. They're, they're nine game. They're nine points up on Columbus with two games in hand and they've played, you know, there's 32 games left in the season. It's going to take a pretty epic collapse to miss the playoffs. So the question becomes, do you try to augment this roster? I think we're all kind of in agreement that going after rentals is a bad idea because it so rarely pays off in the long run. Mm-hmm. Well, it only ever pays off for one team. Everyone tries it in the hopes that they are the one team it pays off for. Well, yeah, you know, like the top five teams try it. But, you know, we, we've seen Doug Armstrong uh, for the Blues with his team in a playoff spot become a seller, you know, trade Paul Stastny to the Jets and other moves like that. So, you know... Not everybody does go after rentals, but there are teams that truly believe that they are contenders and they, they do that. And to Alex's point, I would, I would say, I don't believe we are Stanley cup contenders. I think that the best thing that could possibly happen is that Bob is awesome for two rounds. And then we kind of just get that like Cinderella in the final four. If anybody watches a lot of college basketball, they'll remember all these weird teams getting to the final four, like George Mason and VCU. And they're just kind of happy George to be Mason. there. That was like the summer of 2006. That was a long time. How far, ago. Did, how far did Gulf Coast make it? Gulf Coast sweet made six, it to the they yeah, sweet, they made 16. It sweet 16. Yeah. And then, and that was sort of the same thing too. Like they were just happy to be there. Yeah. They didn't really have the, you know, same intensity or the, you know, the ability to play that far into the season. And that's pretty much the best case scenario for the Panthers. But having said that, you know, this is a situation where they can look at players and they can look at guys that they might be able to keep as long-term pieces. Yeah. And somebody that I brought up ad nauseum is Philip Deneau. Philip Deneau. Philip Deneau. Give me Philip Deneau. He's probably going to be available right now for a bargain because he's not having the counting stat season that he's had in previous years. But if you look at what happens when he's on the ice, the Canadians are dominating play. And it's not like he's playing with a superstar on his wing. I think that Tomas Tatar and Brendan Gallagher, they're both very strong players, but neither one of them is a superstar. Brendan Gallagher is basically Mark Stone light. Here's the issue, and I, I agree that Deneau would be a great second-line center for this team. But one, he's a pending UFA who t- already turned down a lot of money. So I, he is pretty much a true rental. And two, Montreal, as bad as they've been recently, they're still pretty comfortably in the playoffs and a very weak North division. Yep. And God, such a bad gonna, division. He's, they're horrible. They're not Which it's so upsetting. The end of season voting, it's gonna like the Leafs and Oilers are just gonna dominate the end of season voting because they get to play the Sens and the Canucks all season. And Calgary's not any good either. 
Alex, here's my retort to that, that second point. I think that I don't know how enamored uh, Mark Bergevin is with Alex Wenberg, but I, I certainly think it's plausible that if you go up to him and say, Hey, it's not working out with Deneau. We have Alex Wenberg. We'll kick in like, I don't know, a third round pick to sweeten it for you. He might say yes to that because Deneau has so few counting stat points and Wenberg has some goals because Hubie has fed them to on a a silver platter. I agree with you a hundred percent that Bergman is a GM that can be easily taken advantage of. The problem is anything that looks like the Habs are selling, he's not going to do um, because it's just, it's the, the media will tear him apart. I think you guys are right. The only way this team can really improve there is, I mean, there's the same thing you guys are saying. You, if you can bring in a legitimate 2C, you can really improve this team. But what, I mean, realistically, yeah, they're going to make the playoffs. Hopefully they make it past the first freaking round. And then do we see this as a Stanley Cup team? No, this is a playoff team. This is a team that can compete in a round or two. And then mm-hmm. who knows? Yeah, um, I mean, I'm just being generous by saying like they could win round one because I think that it's unfortunate because Carolina and Tampa, they're just great. Like this, yeah. we could beat the, the Panthers. I'm not on the team. Could beat several of the top seeds in other divisions. I just don't see Carolina and Tampa Bay as as yeah. weak it's, as those teams. It's unfortunate that the Panthers, unless they somehow win the division, will have to go through two of the top five rosters in the NHL to make it out of, just to make it out of the central. Me- second, 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 third and fourth in the league right now are Tampa, Carolina. Well, and Florida. I'm, I'm going to cut you off Ian, just because I've killed so many people for making that point because we essentially have Vegas. four different leagues. This, no, we have four leagues this year because there's no interdivisional play. It's not fair to say, Oh, the Panthers are fourth in the NHL in points because they're not playing anyone from they're not playing anyone from other divisions. They're playing so. Tampa and Carolina. No, but, but what I'm saying is like you can't say, oh, we the Panthers have more points than Montreal because, because there's no crossover. Yes. Like it's four separate leagues this year. It's like, you know, it's it's like arguing a in call if we're gonna use college football that like a Pac-10 team that's 10 and 0 is better than a than a you know big east team that's eight and oh it's like you no, can't really compare because there's no crossover that's a fair point it's a fair point and especially i mean especially since you look at teams that are that are not even ranked up there that have not played as many games that are in different divisions so you know you're absolutely right it, it is this is a tough division in the top half in the bottom half it's a real fucking stinker yeah yes it but is. In the, yeah <laughs> man Columbus and Nashville just continue to find ways to whatever the opposite of impress me is. Depress me? Maybe? I don't know. (laughs) What is is Chicago doing? Yeah. They're getting to overtime. I I have no idea. They're getting to overtime every other night. Kevin Lankinen. Yeah. He's been unbelievable. That's your Calder right there, Kevin Lankinen. I mean, he's a, he's currently. I mean, p- people will give it to Caprasaw, but I don't like giving it to a guy who's played so many pro seasons before. I mean, so is Lankinen, and they're both twenty-five. So, or they're I both guess, in their twenties. Yeah. Either way, I agree. Lankinen's been outstanding, and they just they end up in overtime every other game. If Chicago pulls this off and makes the playoffs. Lankinen has to be a shoe in for the Calder. Lankinen may be in the heart conversation. He wouldn't be a finalist, but if you're defining the heart as the player who is most valuable to their team, 
Lankinen is in that conversation. No argument there. And because he, he plays for a team like Chicago, he'll get a ton of votes. And it, Well, no, he won't, because the unfortunate part for him is that Patrick Kane is also having a heater of a season. Right. Yeah, when it comes to the call there, though, I think that he'll get plenty yeah, of he's, attention. He's going to run away with it. I mean, yeah. Kaprizov, they're, they're both excellent, but... Kaprizov is just so good. Yeah, yeah. And, and Ty Smith has also had a really strong season. And don't, don't undersell Tim Stutzel. Yeah, I mean... There's still time for him. There's, and Lafreniere is turning it on. Yeah. Lafreniere well, took too long to start. He's yeah. not going to win it. No, he's not going to win it. I mean, there's a clear front two at this point, but let's not go do too much of a deep dive into Calder talk because Owen Tippett's nowhere near that conversation. Yeah. Uh, but let's Anton about- Lindell is going to win the Calder having played only the last three games of the season. One more quick thing. Uh, you guys mentioned Kaprizov. Did you guys see what he did to give Bukestad the easiest yes. goal Bukestad has ever scored? Yes. He it went behind the so net dirty. and made two guys look ridiculous. And just, I mean, Bukestad was just kind of standing there like Bukestad kind of stands there and had it all the entire net this year. It was ridiculous. Girl, Kaprizov highlights are my anti-drug. <laughs> <laughs> I love watching that kid play. He's so fun. It's ridiculous. It's such a shame that Minnesota took so long to actually get him over here, but maybe he needed that time. And oh, it's just it's just so much fun. Speaking of rookies, perfect segue, huh? Yeah. Uh, Grigory Denisenko played his first two NHL games on Saturday and Sunday, and you know what? I've been slandering him at every opportunity based on his poor play in the Russian Junior Leagues, the KHL, and training camp, but he was not half bad. Uh, he wasn't half good either. He, I, That's exactly I, what I was going to say. He's just kind of been a body out there to me. Like he, the, His first shift was a minor penalty. Okay, to be fair, <laughs> that was a very unlucky penalty. I mean, he gets cross-checked in the back yeah. and is going yeah. down. Standing up. And, and, yeah. the, and he the, was and, getting up and his stick came up. But, dude, like you got to control your stick. No, it's a penalty. I'm just saying it's not like he was being lazy and had to take right. a penalty like – he was getting mugged and sh- like that guy should have, I can't remember who it was. That guy should have gotten a penalty. And instead, you know, I, honestly, I want to say it was Jordan Stahl. I don't know why Denisenko would have been out. Of, or no, no, sorry. He, it was uh, Nashville, not Carolina. It was one of the bigger name players. I think Forsberg, maybe. I don't think it was Forsberg. It might've been Duchesne. Maybe no, Duchesne like didn't that. play. Duchesne didn't play. Yeah. Um, yeah. Hans to me. Maybe, who knows? Maybe, All uh, I know is like, he Norman. really didn't do anything <laughs> wrong. Like it was just really bad right. luck. But, hey, at least you got onto the score sheet in your first NHL game. But, like, yeah, he hasn't really stood out. But, you know, in terms of his expected goals for compared to goal against, like, he's been good. He's been above 50% in both games. Today, when basically the entire team got caved, he was second to Lamica, I'm sorry, to, to Lomberg. So, it's like he hasn't hurt you. He played some goalie today. Um, <laughs> like We think. We think. We think. <laughs> He's one of those guys where, like, that's your youth where you're hoping you get something out of. So you got to give him the opportunity as, you know, Q shuffles through his, his taxi squad on the bottom six. And am I super impressed? No, but I'm also, it's not like, it's not, he's not lost. And that's, yeah, that's a but, good sign. But still, like, I do feel pretty strongly that if anybody's going to benefit from time in the AHL, it's going to be him because we saw in the KHL that he wasn't ready for that level of play at that moment. And maybe he flicked the switch and he's completely ready for the NHL. I don't know, but 
he hasn't played more than what was it six games on North American ice now in pro leagues. He played four games in the AHL, two games in the NHL. Yeah. He's going to need more time. And if you want this guy to be a special player, you know, a, a top six forward, he's got to get top six ice time in the AHL rather than just play with Mason Marchman and E2 Lusteranen, neither of which were in the NHL last year. Um, we're going to get yelled at by our Finnish listeners again, TJ. Look, I don't know how to pronounce his name and I never will. Okay. Ian, take <laughs> a shot. Mr. Ryan. Ian, take a shot. There it is. It's, that was pretty good. Etu <clears throat> Listeranen. It's uh, Etu? It's Etu Listeranen. That's, that's how it was explained to me. Okay, Listeranen. Because it's, it's not the AI like line A. It's yeah. just an I. Yeah. It's T-A-R-I, not yeah, S-T-A-R-A-I. So yeah. it, it doesn't make the, the, the pronunciation guide. Q oh, doesn't. I really should do that. Q is not. There <laughs> <laughs> he is admitting that he hasn't used it on a podcast. <laughs> no one Q... uses it, especially right. now that it's gone digital. No one ever goes on it. Yeah. Q is not easy to predict in his lineup choices. So maybe Denisenko will stick, but you know, it's like I said. There's obvious benefits to leaving him in the AHL. Look, and to your point about his performance in the KHL, the KHL is not a friendly league to younger players. No, no. it's not. They'll play some thirty-seven-year-old so, with five games of NHL experience over a young guy because you right. know he's older and whatnot. But also, there's some resentment about the, Alex, uh, Alex Ovechkin the year before the he got drafted only had twenty-four points in fifty-three games. Yeah, I, I wouldn't hold the the KHL stats against him just because that league is so weird. What I mean, you I would have liked to hold against him are his VHL stats. Yeah, bad. I'd like Where to he see had more three out. points in six games. I'd you like to do see better more out in the minors. <laughs> yeah, just I mean, so starring and yeah. Yep, I just sent you guys the the translation uh, the transliteration, and it is <clears throat> Louis Starnin. Louis Starnin. There we go. Thank, thank you, our Finnish, our Finnish listener. There we go. Perfect. Um, well, since I never got to mention it, because my addition, you got, you know, we talked about the no. I really would love to add Philip Forsberg to this team. Yeah, but got, like, gonna how is that going to? How are you going to make that away. trade? You can make it work. You've got. He's got two years left on his deal, so you get him for this year's playoff run and next year, so it's not a true rental. Yeah, he's got two years left on his deal. You well, can, how, how are you, you going to get him, though? Uh, have you met Grigori Denisenko or Rowan Tippett? Oh, that's not going to get you anywhere near. Yeah, because I, I, I think it's shown you, enough to to make I that trade. that kind of trade return. I think you. Add, I think you need to add, obviously, but that's a team. Yeah, you need to add Jonathan Huberdo. No, I disagree. I disagree. Entirely. I don't think it would take Huberdo to get four. It would take picks probably. That's no, a team that's go- that. It would take three. <laughs> That's as much as as much as I would down. love to have a guy like Forsberg, that's not even my target from Nashville to add at the deadline. Give me Matthias Eichel. Oh, I was I was debating on whether or not I wanted to do this because we did it with Eichel, but, I, but my, like, my Eichel, opinion Eichel, is that Eichel was an imaginary. Like that's a dream Eichel's scenario. Still, that's okay. not actually happening. And for the, and for those the, of you the still national keep targets are actually possible. Yeah, Eichel's not coming, but I, I don't think that they are going to be willing to give up the piece that it would take to get uh, Ekholm, which would be Lundell. Like, no way. If you're getting no, Forsberg, no you're getting no Ekholm. way that it takes Lundell no to way. get Ekholm. Oh, absolutely. Ek- no. Absolutely. No. TJ. Are you kidding? Look, what do you much- think they're going to accept? Like Owen Tippett in a second? Like, no, no but way. NHL GMs sell low. Yeah. What was the last time a player of his caliber was sold at that low of a price? 
I didn't well, give a price. You gave a price, and I said that Nashville shouldn't accept a price like that. Okay, well, what but do we have to offer that, that isn't Slendell? Ransom to get him. I, I I don't think Matias Ekholm has anywhere near the value just because we have the expansion draft coming up, and the the good teams already have a problem in terms of defensemen they're going to protect. So everyone is essentially if you if you trade for Matias Ekholm, not only are you going to have to give up prospects now to get him. You're going to have to give give more to Seattle to keep him or give him up to Seattle as a true rental. Yeah, so I mean, I, the Panthers have this problem as well because Ekblad, right. Uyghur, and then Yandel has to be protected. Right. Which is fine. Cause, well, like, but who else but that's going to – like, Are you really upset? I guess no. actually I'm pretty upset losing Radko Gudis. <laughs> I don't think they're going to draft Radko Gudis. But to the more to the point – the, there goes Matias Ekholm, and all of a sudden you're either losing him or Mackenzie Weger or having to make some sort of side deal. Right. That's why Matias Ekholm, his value is yeah. decreased because he, the reality is he's a very good number four defenseman. I don't think he, Oh, no, 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 no. He's Alex, a number two defenseman. Ekholm is two? a top two defenseman. Top he's two. a number two defenseman. Yeah. That's why I want him so bad. He's one of those guys who doesn't put up the counting stats, but his defensive impact is nuts. Well, yeah, that's I mean, why I would call him a second pairing defenseman because he doesn't put up the counting stats. <laughs> if you look at the forward group that brought Nashville to the Stanley Cup, you'll realize how important every single one of those defensemen was. Well, that was oh. back when they had Ellis, Ekholm, Subban, and Yossi like, all in their prime at the same time. That was the yeah. best defense core in the NHL. Yeah. Either way, I see I see Ekholm's value as decreased because everyone's going to be in that crunch in terms of protection spots. Yeah. I'm not sure Nashville really is, though. Nashville protects Ellis, Ekholm, and Yossi. And well, but, what, but what I'm saying... Yeah, but Nashville's... If, I don't if, think Fabro. They don't have to expose Fabro yet. Right? Either way, but what I'm saying is Nashville's probably looking to tear it down either now or in the offseason because their run is over. Like oh, they have no yeah, goaltending. They're like their high price centers. <laughs> Somehow none of their centers worked out. <laughs> yeah, like they need to start over. So Ekholm is the first one to go because he's over 30 and he's got two years left on his deal. Like, Such a shame for them that Johansson and Duchesne just flamed out. Tourist flamed out. Like Tourist too. Well, we could do an entire Tourist was never really that good. But still, we could do an entire podcast on just like everything that went wrong for the Predators and how they should have had a five plus year cup window and instead got one shot at it and it all fell apart. Yeah. And, and it's not I, like you can even say they did anything wrong. Like just mm-hmm. nothing worked. Like no brain or moves didn't work. Yeah, I will forever remember that cup run as the season that the point-to-point hockey profile picture on Twitter was just slightly more increased, uh, or slightly more increased zoom on PK Subban's face with yeah. every t- every game that the Predators won. Yeah, <laughs> that I mean, was so much fun. That's really when the cup window ended. So much when fun he with that. Fell off the a cliff because he was Norris level when they were really good, and then yeah. when he was not really good, I don't think he's bad. By the way, I just think he's. Not really. Oh, good I do. Anymore. I and I PK love Subban's PK Subban, but he is bad. I mean, I mean, it's well, a it's a terrible contract, but I mean, and he's also still it's a terrible performance. Is I mean, really that bad though? We, we, all, we almost have to apologize for the to the Canadians for shitting on them for the Weber for Subban trade because Subban I mean, no, fell we off don't. A cliff. <laughs> no, we Subban don't. fell off a cliff. And Weber, at the yeah, time, Weber's, Weber's still really stupid. Right, though. Weber's also overrated. Like he is, and has always been. But Subban's replacement, replacement level at this point. I will say, right now, Weber is better than Subban. 
Yeah, I mean, I don't disagree. But it was but... still a dumb trade. Oh, absolutely. Very dumb. They got very lucky that they Also, the Weber trade. contract is significantly worse. Garbage. <laughs> For as bad as Subban's deal is, Weber's is just... Oh. Speaking of bad contracts, I I'm trying to get it back sheets. on uh, back on, on track here. Anton uh, Strawman. That's exactly where I was going. Yes! Nailed it! <laughs> so he's he's missed a couple of games now uh, with, a, with an injury, and we're seeing a, a top six without him. And, you know, I, I really don't think it's performed any worse. Uh, do you guys think that he's a guy that the Panthers should look at scratching even when he's healthy? Yeah, I always have. I mean, they, they should be they should have been trying to improve on Anton Strollman since the day they thought about signing Fuck You, Dale Talon. That's the fifth time on this podcast. That was, that was the worst one, honestly. Like, you can make a case to me that Bobrovsky is going to play very well. You know, he's two Vesnas. Didn't work out, but... There was no reason to ever give this player at this age this money. Coming off an None. injury. None. Coming off a surgery. Forget the injury. He was coming off knee surgery at 33. You don't recover from that in the NHL. Man. Ian, what are your thoughts on yeah. how Anton Stroman has been this year? I think Anton Stroman has done exactly what we expected Anton Stroman to do. I don't understand why he's running a power play. Um, I don't understand what's happening. He gets the show. I don't understand what's happening with the second power play at all. Uh, But we can, that's a totally different topic, I guess. Um, (laughs) Like give it to Uyghur, man. Come on. They had Radko Gudis running the second power play today. I'd rather Gudis run it than Stroman. There's, I mean, Forsling at, Strawman's the last defenseman on this team I'd want running the second power play, but I'm just like baffled by it. I want to know what, and, and you guys have the, uh, you guys have the data and the analytics right in front of you. How is, what is Forsling's, what does Forsling look like from an analytics standpoint? Because he pushes play about as well as any defense. I mean, I'm not going to any defenseman on the Panthers because you have Aaron Eckblad on the team, but. <laughs> Any other defensemen? No, you're I mean, you're not wrong. Actually, um, mm-hmm. very limited sample size for him. Sure, uh, pretty limited usage. But he at five on five, especially offensively, especially in his last couple of games, uh, he's actually been real good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's impressive. Yeah, he's still um, terrible. But he is over better. one standard deviation above average and expected goals for per sixteen minutes. I mean, he's. I, He's been, I have been real, very pretty close impressed. to two in Corsi four, by the way. He, he's been yeah, good. I've, I've been very impressed with him. Um, but back to Strawman. Yeah, he doesn't move his feet enough. He, you know. Because he's in some yeah, he, he, He's just, it. Uh, the, the contract is what, five years late? Five years too far into his yep. career? Yep, um, exactly. We, you know, we, I, I said it when we signed him. We needed 2015 Anton Strawman, not 2020 Anton Strawman. So mm-hmm. I, I, I like Anton Strawman. I don't. I like Anton Strawman on a much different contract. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You like Anton Strawman like as your sixth defenseman, making 1.2 million. Right. Not last year, if you gave time. him, if you give him one year at like two million bucks, just as a placeholder, because we needed a body. Mm-hmm. Fine. Mm-hmm. You don't sign 33 year old knee surgery recovery and on strawman to three years at five and a half million knee surgery, like that was, hernia surgery like it was just and look we we've made that point so many times over the last two seasons but yeah i, I, mean, I hope that yeah. the fact that the defense doesn't look any worse with him out 
leads to Q maybe keeping him on the bench. At, at bare minimum, Q, Q uh, Anton Stroman getting the uh, taxi squad, you know, rotation treatment yeah. like the other bottom pairing defensemen have been getting. Like, you're not safe. If you're having a bad couple games, you're going down to the taxi squad and someone and mm-hmm. you know, Forsling, Kanaten, or Juleson, even though Juleson hasn't really been very good, mm-hmm. are getting your spot. Yeah. And I think that it's a, a sea change from what we thought at the beginning of the season where it looked like Keith Yandel was going to be the older defenseman that was going to get scratched. And I don't want to come in here and tell you guys, I think Keith Yandel has been awesome at five on five because I think you're, you're taking the good and you're taking the bad and that's what you get with him at five on five. But the power play, the power play has been excellent all season, even though it yeah. didn't come through today. The finishing hasn't really been at the level of a lot of the power plays that score the most goals, but the chances, if I, uh, if I uh, am still correct about this, cause it was true a few games ago, they have the highest expected goals for rate on a five on four power play of any team in the league. It's second now, yeah. but yeah, it's still been very good. And I mean, tonight was a disaster on the power play. And let's talk about that for a second. Um, Carolina, basically this entire series with the Panthers has dominated special teams play uh-huh. they they run the exact same play every single time when they have a power play and it leads to um a scoring chance or a goal a scoring chance or a goal for vincent trocek in front of the net <laughs> the panthers haven't <laughs> countered it and then what they've also done on the pk has been extremely aggressive in the neutral zone with a high forward pressing which is a direct counter to the drop pass most nhl teams yep. like to run um, I've retweeted it a few times. Uh, former Panther scout Reese Jessup talked about how teams need to counter that high man, and it's with good puck movement. And instead of the drop pass, you're making a pass forward to your wingers that are high to enter the zone with you know with numbers. And all of a sudden, that high guy is now a detriment to you. That you're using the aggressiveness against him. The counter isn't speed, as uh, people I've been discussing it with have been trying to tell me and it's not you don't take yandel off the top power play you want your best puck handler and your best passer to have the puck and making the decision on the high guy do i drop it to Barkov or do i make a pass up to huberto or hornquist and try to enter the zone and the problem is the panthers haven't been making that pass forward they've been trying to force the drop pass and they need to make adjustments the issue is and this condensed schedule there's no time to make adjustments you have to just like tonight's a perfect example. We talked about how earlier, how this was a schedule loss. You knew going into this game, Carolina was going to play the high forward against your power play. But when are you going to make those adjustments in the 18 hours between last night's game against the predators and tonight's game, they probably didn't even do film session. Like mm-hmm. you got into the hotel, you get some sleep and you wake up, lace on your skates and go play out there and you play your set schedule. And I have, you know, the people telling me, Oh, well, what are you going to do against Carolina in the playoffs, it's like, well, when you actually know who your opponent is and you have yeah. time to game plan for them, I would hope the Panthers have a counter to the Carolina Hurricanes high, you know, aggressive PK unit. But right now in a condensed schedule where there's no time to make adjustments, you kind of just have to go with what your system is and hope, hope it works, even though you know your opponent is playing a direct counter to it. And it's a very good one. Yeah, I, I always get annoyed when people are talking about, oh, you know, it's a back-to-back or it's on the road trip. These are just excuses. It's like, no, like, 
anybody that has a reliable model on predicting games will build that in. The Vegas sportsbooks will build that in. A team yeah. on a back-to-back is going to have worse odds than a team that's not, yep. regardless of the strength of the team. And I just mean relative, you know, obviously on a back-to-back Tampa is still going to be favored against Detroit, but you know, like, like this is something that has a demonstrable trackable effect on performance. It's not just an excuse. And there's, you might hear some other excuses that I'm more receptive to believing are just excuses. This is not one of them. Yeah. And Carolina's penalty kill, first of all, is as good as some teams five on five units. I mean, it's the level of play that that penalty kill is able to play at is absolutely insane. I think maybe, and TJ, you, you mentioned it earlier. Our, the Panthers power play is not bad. It's a very, very good unit. Yes. But look how effectively Carolina is able to collapse our power play and generate shorthanded chance after shorthanded chance after shorthanded chance. It's nuts. Yeah, go back to the game that they won in Carolina. (laughs) You remember the two breakaways that they gave away on the same power play. And the same thing happened in this game. Difference being that one of them worked this time. One of them. I didn't mean to cut in on Ian. So what were you gonna say? No, that's literally that is exactly what I was going to say. Was it was it two short ended breakaways or was it three? or was the third one right after the power play? Yeah, I think it might have been been that them in one game. Three on the same power play the last last in the last two game series, and then tonight you had tonight. I've played on some really, really bad hockey teams. I have never <laughs> faced three breakaways on a power play. Uh, three breakaways when my team was on a power play. Yeah. You never. haven't been on bad enough teams. I've definitely played on those teams where I'm, I'm facing breakaways on the PK, especially I played, in roller I played, hockey. I played, uh, I played club ice hockey for Emory University. We didn't even have a real coach. We had a grad student. And our practices, our practices had uh, beers on the bench. The teams we played had like real coaches and stadiums and things like that. Trust me, I played on a really bad team. Our only, our only, uh, our best player was Brad Pesci, who sounds a lot like Brett Pesci because that is his brother. Uh, so oh, nice. Brett, Brett Pesci's cool. brother Brad, Brad, Brett Pesci's brother Brad uh, went to Emory with me, played with us. We went to Vanderbilt played at Vanderbilt and Brad liked it so much. He transferred to Vanderbilt. <laughs> that was a true story. That's uh, great. Yes. Good people. So, but uh, anyway, when, when you uh, see Brett Pesci on the Nashville predators, you know why. There you go. <laughs> I, I, I texted Brad uh, when, when Brett scored, not this, obviously not last, not tonight, but last game I texted him, man, he is so much better than you. <laughs> uh, that's probably why world. one of them is in the nhl and the other one is no, not <laughs> i will say brad pesci is a very good hockey player but it's pretty difficult when you're like five foot seven eight and he was fast and he could shoot but uh yeah brett brett's a brett's a little better <laughs> yeah, that was but... the best part of playing club hockey is just the road trips and just getting blasted after playing two games, then showing yes. up to your third game of the weekend on over. Best part. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, I apologize. It took us way off topic. Paris there. part. Uh, Paris that was part. awesome. Like, there's the Paris part, but that was a point is that, there you go. The point is that I've never faced that many shorthanded breakaways. I mean, they're, they're just, they're ridiculously good. Yeah. Uh, Carolina is a really good hockey team. 
breaking news on Panther Paris, like Carolina's really fucking good. Um, so I think we've pretty much covered everything we need to talk about on this podcast. Uh, one other thing we need to we need to point Ooh. out, and that is that uh, our our best friend Cole Schwint scored his first pro goal. Uh, yes. Oh, and speaking of Cole Schwint, who assisted on that goal? Jacob? That would be uh, that would be Johnny Ludwig. Uh, make sure you all stay subscribed to the Point to Point Hockey Podcast. Yeah, tomorrow we're dropping our interview with John Ludwig of the Syracuse Crunch, formerly of the Portland Winterhawks. And uh, yeah, I would definitely recommend listening to that. I don't want to give anything away. Rocky Ford. Um, more plugs the new to come. son of the podcast. That's right. He's our favorite. Anyway, uh, before He's we get a nice to, prospect. Before we get to more nice. of our plugs, uh, Ian, why don't you tell us where everybody can find your work? Sure, absolutely. If you want to uh, see me just blindly rant about the Panthers, you can follow me <laughs> at Ian Margle WPLG. Uh, my colleague is David Dwork. He is phenomenal he's been doing a lot of really great coverage of the panthers you can follow him at david dwork uh or at the chirping the cat at chirping the cats uh he does a lot of really great stuff and he is the one that does a lot of work he's the local 10 hockey guy i'm just a panthers fan who happens to work for local 10 and has a media (laughs) account that they have not shut down yet so uh, (laughs) that's that's me knock on wood yeah, we, lo- we love David. He's been on the show many times and uh, definitely a friend of the show. And now you are a friend of the show. Yeah, and we, Much it's always, always good to have more goalies on the show. Oh, yeah. uh, we Alex. need to do a podcast where it's just you, me, David, and any other goalie we can find that wants to join us. And Jacob and TJ will just have to sit that one out. We'll yeah, that's fine. Talk goalie stuff and <laughs> go to the weeds Absolutely. of like the reverse VH and whatnot. And everyone Absolutely. will just be like, this is the worst podcast ever. It, it would bore the heck out of so many people. We're gonna you're gonna get like six listeners that are goalies, and they're and all of it. them are gonna be Cat Silverman. Yeah, that's, that's how that works. <laughs> Another quote unquote friend of the show who was on once. Um, okay, but now we need to wrap it up. Ian, this was awesome. We ended up. How long have we been recording for? This honestly like, feels like ten minutes, but like I think this is like an hour plus this, minimum. This is uh, about an hour and a half. So we might cut it down a little bit, but yeah, yeah, this was awesome. Ian, thank you so much. Uh, before final, we let you go, though, any final thoughts? Any final thoughts? Anything? Anything yes. you any, want? Uh, Stay new to your no. cats. Whatever you wanted to say. Yeah, on on <laughs> the spot here. Uh, yeah, spaying new to your cats. That's good. No, uh, shit, guys. That was I was not expecting that. Uh, no, <laughs> I got nothing. I'm, I'm at a loss. Okay, I, so I, then I have I did not sleep last night. I had my my neighbors were partying until. Three o'clock in the morning last night. I, oh, good. Wait my brain's have, moving a little bit slower. Wait That's till not you very have a social distancing again. again. I didn't hear what you said. I'm sorry. I said wait till you have a kid. You'll never sleep again. Yeah. I said that's not very social distancing of them. No, um, it was not. Uh, yeah. Wear your masks. Stay safe. Don't be a fucking idiot. Okay. There you go. Those are your it. final thoughts. All right. Let's sell out. Let's sell out. Let's sell out. Guys, you can do it. We've you can sold, do it. We've sold out. You've probably seen it on social media. Vigit is the app that we are partnered with. It's actually a lot of fun. It's basically the Zynga poker of sports betting where it's completely free. You get to wait, you know, you get to bet fake money on sporting games, on sporting matches. I mean, TJ has been setting up a, a Panther Puri account. I'm sorry, a point to point account. And uh, 
having games of the day. And we're going to be giving away stuff to people who are uh, participating on Vigit with us. And yeah, you bet on sports games, Panthers, money line, Panthers minus one and a half, whatever you want to do. It feels just like a regular sports book, but it's completely free. There's not freemium. There's no, there's no money you have to pay. No, no money involved. You can't even pay to improve your chances or get more coins. It is 100% free. It's a lot of fun. We've been enjoying it. Sign up on Vig- on the Viget app, V-I-G-I-T, and then use the sign-up code PTP Hockey. It gets you 2,500 coins to start. Join us in our PTP Hockey group where TJ is running the giveaways. That's where we'll be putting our most of our giveaways. I mean, we've got hoodies. We've got hats. I think TJ might even have a jersey he wants to give away. Yeah, I've got on- jerseys, hoodies, hats, yeah. and, and have- uh, more. And the, uh, and the Panthers – of oh jesus i'm blanking on the name jake who's your favorite player jared mccann oh jared the the jared mccann signed panthers puck that we're going to give away to anyone not named jacob langston (laughs) but yeah viget viget app ptp hockey is the sign up code 2500 coins it's a lot of fun come join us and yeah guys we sold out mobile phone companies say they offer home internet But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details.